Hey there, Getting in the Loop listeners. Ever wondered what can be done in your industry to help create a more circular economy? I've put together a short ebook to help you navigate key circular trends in textiles and apparel, ICT and electronics, and packaging. And it includes links to related reports, as well as relevant Getting in the Loop podcast episodes. It's yours to receive when you join up to our podcast newsletter at circularsectors.gettingintheloopodcast.com. So head over to our website to get your copy of the Circular Sectors Navigator. That's again, circularsectors.gettingintheloopodcast.com. Hi, I'm Katie Wellen, and join me each week as I talk with experts around the globe about circular economy. You'll find out what's being done to make it a reality, and if it can really solve the problems it promises. It's time for Getting in the Loop. Welcome back to the Getting in the Loop podcast. And today I'm excited to have Paul Shorthouse joining us on the Getting in the Loop podcast today. Paul is one of Canada's leading experts in circular economy. And in February of this year, Paul took on the role of Managing Director of the Circular Economy Leadership Coalition. He also continues his role with the GLOBE series and the Delphi Group, where he is a Senior Director and leads their Green and Circular Economy practice nationwide. In this episode, we're diving into what's happening with Circular Economy in North America. Paul shares examples of Circular Economy in Canada. He tells us why he believes North America is ready to adopt a circular economy and explains the regional differences that could influence how circular economy concepts are adopted in North America. Well, welcome to the Getting in the Loop podcast, Paul. I'm very excited to have you on the show today. And what, what, before we get started, where are you calling from? I am sitting in my home looking out at the sunshine here in Victoria, British Columbia, in the west coast of Canada. Lovely. I had the chance to go there a couple of years ago, and uh, I think I told you this before, but I've always wanted to go back because when I was there, it was the rainy season, but season. But we did have the benefit of seeing the salmon, uh, the salmon run. We are a west coast temperate rainforest, so that does give us a lot of biodiversity, which is nice at the same time, but you've got to time your seasons right if you want to avoid the rain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next time. So you uh, developed a discussion paper uh, for a workshop that was hosted back in November uh, by the ECC, ECCC and the UNEP. Uh, and it was focused on accelerating the circular economy in North America. And that's what I want to touch on in today's podcast. But before we get into that, what makes now the right time for circular economy in North America, Paul? Great question. Um, I think it's, you know, at a, at a global scale, we're seeing obviously converging crises, whether it's climate change, uh, you know, ecosystem collapse to some degree, biodiversity impacts, resource scarcity challenges, etc. Um, those sort of um, intersecting pain points or challenges globally are, are creating this sort of awareness level of we can't continue business as usual. And 
uh, you know, the circular economy as a model has come as a bit of a solution to the forefront uh, as a model for addressing the resource and biodiversity challenges, as well as, as a way to tackle some of the, the deeper and more challenging greenhouse gas emission reductions that we need to see beyond sort of operations um, and, and energy use, um, but more of those embedded carbon and, and you know, the processing and product uh, development side. So that's, that's the global picture. Um, but I think when you look at what's happening in North America, it's, it's slightly different. The drivers are different, but what's, what's, uh, you know, what's, what's for sure to be realized is that there's a huge lost economic opportunity right now in North America. So just for example, in the United States, it's estimated that $10 billion per year worth of materials enter the landfills across the country every year. And about three quarters of that could be recycled or repurposed. And only about 30% is right now. In Canada, where I'm based, we throw away almost $50 billion worth of food, every food value every year. $50 billion. $50 billion. Yeah. So in fact, I think globally, they say about one out of every three bags of groceries that you bring home ends up in the waste bucket at the end of the day. So, you know, think about the, the value that's going down, down the drain or into the, into the bin. Um, in Mexico, they say that only about 47% of the economic potential value from, from recycling, for example, is captured. So, um, you know, there's this economic opportunity that circular economy is helping um, North America and the countries and, and businesses and society sort of in North America to start to realize that we're, we're doing things in a way that isn't working for the planet. It's not working for people and it's not working for the economy in a sense. And we're missing out on these opportunities and, and we're seeing a real rise in innovation and technology as enablers. Uh, much of that coming out of North America to some degree um, and the awareness is growing um, around circular economy and some momentum that's been building um, in Canada in particular, we have the World Circular Economy Forum that's being hosted in September by Environment Climate Change Canada and CITRA, the Finnish Innovation Fund. Um, and because of COVID, that event was supposed to happen last year, but was postponed by a year. And, and therefore it's given this real opportunity to raise awareness and momentum that's been building within different sectors here in Canada. Um, and I think there's this sense that looking at Europe and, and Asia and other countries that are embracing circular economy, there is a risk of falling behind in terms of competitiveness and could our businesses be more productive or more, um, you know, more efficient um, by, by adopting circular economy principles. So I think that's where sort of the, you know, the right time for circular economy in North America is now. And you mentioned Europe and sort of the differences between Europe and North America, at least when we were uh, together on uh, the Circular Next North America uh, panel. And I wanted to ask you, maybe you could just share a little bit with your thoughts with the listeners on the Getting in the Loop podcast about the differences that North America faces when compared to Europe, because now you also brought up Europe in, in the response to your, your last question. Yeah, I think... The drivers are different, as I mentioned earlier, um, in North America than, than say Europe or Asia to some degree. Um, in North America, the mindset to some degree is that we're a land of plenty. Um, we have a, a very vast geography. We have abundant re natural resources. 
we have relatively low population density compared to say Europe or Asia in some cases, those are some of the drivers in those other in those other regions for circular economy. You know, importing resources. Um, you know, uh, an opportunity to to think about industries working very closely together geographically, etc. Um, and or in the case of countries like China or Japan, where circular economy has been you know considered for decades already, um, how do we how do they get those materials into their supply chains and uh, you know avoid sort of price shocks et cetera on commodities and things like that? So recycling and getting materials and metals et cetera back into the supply chain made perfect sense. Um, so it's a, it's a bit different in terms of this mindset in North America. Um, the the wide vast geography, our low density has sort of led to urban sprawl um, at the same time, which has created its own economic challenges when it, you know, with respect to circular economy in terms of building the infrastructure um, that we need to, you know, move materials to markets and undertake things like reverse logistics or offer different services, everything from, from collection to repair and reuse or, you know, new business models like uh, sharing economy and car sharing and things like that. Um, so that's a little bit different here in North America. Harmonization is also a challenge because we have, you know, this national level structure in, in North America, Canada, US, Mexico. We also have many uh, sort of states, provinces, territories, and, and cities. So different levels of government, different political structures across borders, um, and not totally harmonized across those different levels of government or those different jurisdictions. So that creates its own sort of unique differences from Europe, for example, where in many cases, it's sort of the city is working with the national level governments um, around circular policy. And they've also got the EU umbrella that provides sort of a, an overarching framework that many uh, European countries uh, sort of align with. I'll just say too, that another major difference obviously is sort of our, our consumption patterns. It's not totally unique compared to Europe in this case, but you know, Canada and the U.S. in particular, where, you know, because of our, our wealth and in the case of, of Canada and our colder climate, um, you know, we're one of the, the largest users of resources uh, internationally or globally. Um, you know, we have one of the, in Canada, one of the largest ecological footprints per capita, same thing with the U.S., about 7.6 hectares per person. We need more than three planets to support our current consumption habits. I would say that, that that's similar in some ways to some of the Nordic countries, and that's been driving some of that in, in Europe. But in Mexico, in contrast, you know, it's a complex country where there's more disparity in terms of incomes, for example. But we do know that not only do we have a big footprint, Canada and the U.S. also generate some of the highest amounts of waste per capita. So, you know, over two kilograms uh, per person per day or about five pounds of waste per day per person. Uh, Mexico is more in line with about two and a half pounds per day. So very, uh, you know, not only are we using a lot, we're also losing a lot of that, <laughs> that value at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I really appreciate you giving some examples of the differences between the regions because a lot of times North America and I'm I'm guilty of this so far on the podcast of grouping North America under one umbrella but it's very uh it's it's not there are you know multiple countries that are part of this uh of idea of North America and maybe could you speak to maybe some of the differences in the in the in the regions in North America that might 
influence how circular economy is adopted in those in the various parts of North America. Um, I would be curious to, to, to hear your thoughts on that, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely, given the wide geography and the, the different countries and the different cultures, uh, et cetera, that, that existed across North America, um, you see different pockets or hubs of activity in different areas as it relates to, to circular economy. Um, you know, it's really important to consider North America's sort of industrial base as a foundation. So what sort of economic sectors are, are drivers in uh, Canada and, and the US and, and Mexico comparatively, and even within those countries, you know, you've got different landscapes and, and different economic um, industries that are sort of at the forefront. So, you know, out on the West Coast and in uh, British Columbia, Washington State, Oregon, there's a, a strong sort of forestry, um, natural resource-based sector. Um, in other parts of, of Canada and the US, it's, it's agriculture, it's uh, minerals and, and mining, it's um, manufacturing belts, for example, in Ontario around, or around the Great Lakes region, um, Detroit and other areas where you know, manufacturing has been the hub um, of a lot of economic activity over the last uh, many decades. Um, so there's this opportunity to, to really think about the circular economy um, business models and business strategies in, in, in the context of those different economic sectors. So, you know, Canada is the third highest in terms of total value of natural resources in the world, about 33 trillion um, US dollars, it's been estimated in, in the US seven. So, um, you know, for Canada, it's less of an issue of, of scarcity driving circular economy in some of those sectors, but more about how do those sectors uh, like agriculture and forestry underpin the bioeconomy or the bioproducts that are part of sort of the circular inputs important to circular economy. Um, for those regions that are big into manufacturing, you know, you've got, um, you know, the opportunity to, for remanufacturing. So how do you uh, uh, utilize some of those under utilize assets in places like Detroit or other other hubs um, to to you know take back products or equipment or capital equipment and, and remanufacture and, and turn them into new products or shift some of the the existing infrastructure that's there to support that so uh, south of the the US and Mexico you know there's a, a certain um, you know manufacturing, sort of uh, structure that's set up there for turning secondary products into finished goods. The, they're called sort of the maquilladoras, um, which is a, a certain sort of manufacturing set. The design, the, the design decisions um, often happen at global multinational um, headquarters for certain products and the manufacturing and finishing of those goods happens in Mexico under, you know, current trade agreements, for example. Um, so what are the considerations for Mexico in that place where they are um, more sort of reacting to some of the design decisions made outside? So there's these different, obviously, consider considerations. There's often also an inconsistent and sort of varied patchwork of infrastructure across the region. So when I think of infrastructure, I think of um, you know, recycling and organics, collection, sorting. Um, I think of sort of the, the infrastructure for remanufacturing, the infrastructure for, um, you know, reuse and repair, the infrastructure for, um, you know, even digital solutions like the information communication technology networks 
And those are often disparate as well. So if you look up north in Canada to more rural or remote um, in, in indigenous communities, even, you know, there, there is not the sort of infrastructure that we have in urban centers to, to collect some of that. So there's these differences even within, within regions that are um, quite, quite unique. And I will just finalize by saying not, not only the political structures different that I touched on earlier, but also the cultural differences, the language differences, um, which can also be a, you know, a, a benefit or a strength in terms of driving innovation. You've got this mixture of cultures and indigenous thinking and, and others that can be brought to kind of the circular economy conversation and really drive some of that, that innovation across cultures. At the same time, yeah, you know, you have to understand, you know, how to communicate and how to build awareness within these different communities. And by language differences, of course, you're talking about differences between speaking English in, in America, where you say about, and uh, in Canada, where you say about. <laughs> not, not exactly, but yeah, close enough. I think we, we sort of get each other across the border. But yeah, even within Canada, you know, we've got uh, two official languages, French and English, and, you know, certainly um, Spanish and, and European influences in, in the US and, and Canada and other and Asian countries, um, you know, have a presence across North America. So how do we bring some of those cultures together? Truly, uh, yeah, I mean, because I'm, I'm from the US and it truly is a melting pot of different cultures and, and backgrounds and things like that. So. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, this discussion paper before we started talking a little bit about Canada specifically, although we have been discussing Canada, but um, right now I've been fin finalizing a report uh, that's looking at Sweden and different potentials for circular economy in, in Sweden. And there were some surprising things that kind of I found when I was doing this uh, research, uh, some of it maybe was like kind of you you kind of knew this already, uh, but you know until you see the number in front of you, you thought I, I, I thought oh actually I now have something to back this up. So I want to know from your discussion paper if there was some sort of aha moment or surprising takeaway that you had when you were looking at uh, North America and and circular economy. Hmm. Yeah, great question. I, th I think a couple of things come to mind. One is that, you know, this, this circular economy term might be new, but the underpinning, you know, concepts and principles behind circular economy are, are not new for North America. In fact, um, there is an article in, in 1966 that was published by Kenneth Boulding out of the US called The Economics of the Coming Spaceship Earth, which highlighted that humans live on a planet with finite resources and because of that a linear economy will not succeed over the long term so we were talking about this in North America you know many decades ago and you know we've been leading work in North America around sustainable development and industrial ecology and thinking like cradle to cradle models and biomimicry so a lot of these underpinning concepts are here the circular economy just helps to bring that umbrella together so I think it's important to to recognize that that this is not a, a totally new concept for North America, but it's helping to connect the dots between all these different practices that help to drive kind of a more resource efficient economy, a low carbon economy, a, an economic opportunity. Um, secondly, I'd say that um, 
you know, we have a lot of strengths to build on. So we're not starting from scratch. We have great innovation clusters and networks and major global players in this space that call North America home. We have really strong regulatory and policy frameworks and institutions that we can we can build on. Um, you know, we're, we're further ahead in that, in that regard. We have this cultural diversity that I mentioned earlier that helps to drive some of that, that innovation. So it's important to think that, you know, while the, what's been done in Europe and, and Asia will be somewhat unique and we can't just adopt it, uh, you know, exactly. And we can certainly learn from some of the best practice examples here. We really have to build on our own, our own strengths in that sense. Um, and so, you know, I think it's a, an exciting, an exciting space for North America right now to, to, to be thinking about how we create this vision for ourselves. Absolutely. And it's really funny that you brought up uh, uh, Kenneth uh, Balding because I actually had just done a little bit of looking into him uh, a couple months ago. And, uh, and I had been surprised to find out that he actually was an economist that was his his training, and he worked with some of like the really big names in economy of the day. So John Maynard Keynes, uh, Joseph uh, Schumpeter, and yeah, like these types of big names that we kind of that's the formed the basis of like economics today. Like he was there, but he was also talking about this issue of circular economy then. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, let's talk about Canada and I want to know where you're seeing significant momentum in circular economy, uh, in Canada. Yeah. So I mentioned at the start about, you know, this focus in Canada right now around this point in time with the world circular economy forum and how sort of the government of Canada has stepped up to, to co-host that um, with Citra, the Finnish Innovation Fund. Um, and I think, you know, because of its postponement um, that has given a lot of actors this opportunity to, to really dig into this a bit further, to really start to build further momentum and, and really start to think, you know, across across different types of different levels of government, different uh, industries and companies and different sectors. What does a uh, circular economy mean for us? What's the return on investment? What are the, the opportunities we should be seizing for Canada? And there's, there's been this sort of runway of studies and research that's happened in the last uh, couple of years. Um, there's you know, some work that's underway with the Canadian Council of, of uh, Academies that's focused on what is a circular economy um, opportunity for Canada and, and Environment Climate Change Canada and other um, departments federally have been doing their own research um, on plastics and on natural resources and mining and bioeconomy and other areas, um, remanufacturing, for example. So the awareness base is building and the business case, I would say, for in the Canadian landscape has been building in the last um, 12 months or so. Um, and, you know, leading into World Circuit Economy Forum is one example, but, um, you know, Canada came out with its plastics pledge um, and its sort of its strategy for zero waste plastics and working with the provinces, the Canadian Council for Ministers of the Environment. 
Um, and, you know, at their, their announcement at the G7 summit around the ocean plastics charter. So that, that's kind of created a bit of a, an, an inroad into the broader conversation around circular economy and, and uh, how we're managing our, our resources. And, and dealing with sort of the risks around pollution and waste. Um, you know, there's a forest bioeconomy framework for Canada, Canadian minerals and metals plan that incorporates circular economy to that. We're seeing sort of leadership uh, at the provincial level in some, in some instances, Quebec, um, BC, some, some work out of Ontario um, and other, other provinces. Um, even Alberta is looking at circular economy lenses to its uh, energy sector. Um, cities you know on the ground so toronto vancouver montreal um calgary and them you know victoria smaller cities like guelph and others have have really sort of come around you know thinking about what circular economy means for them both from a zero waste strategy perspective but also more more increasingly with the upstream opportunities for job creation and economic development so we've got some clusters in canada like metal tech alley in, in british columbia that's using um, bringing together uh, uh, mining and mineral companies, including like Tech, the large mining company that does processing of, of lead acid, traditional lead acid batteries is now kind of morphing into looking at circular economy models and working with companies that are recycling Tesla batteries um, or looking at metal purification, working with um, local local uh, post-secondary institutions and fabrication labs and that putting circular economy thinking to that we have a circular food cluster that's building out of Ontario um, that was su supported through the smart cities challenge in Canada uh, in Guelph um, there's a new center of excellence for procurement that was launched uh, by the the circular innovation council and then you know initiatives like the share reuse repair initiative where you've got lots of small businesses and others coming together to to talk about sharing their resources and then the national industrial symbiosis program in uh, western canada that's piloted a couple of examples so lots of lots of momentum building at all levels of government and, and with small business and larger industry and my role with the circular economy leadership coalition as managing director we are really trying to build this sort of hub and network of players across the country and and bring together sort of the the different players the different hubs of innovation etc under one sort of a uh, network and umbrella and link in the international players like the ellen MacArthur foundation and citra and the the platform for accelerating circular economy and others that are doing work at this international level connect those dots and we also have on the ground sort of a, a circular solutions innovation lab um, that's basically a group of stakeholders working in different areas like plastics and uh, uh, through the Canada Plastics Pact and um, you know the built environment and construction and, and mining and materials and food systems etc so we're building out sort of what could become the precursor for sector roadmaps to circular economy that could be rolled up to sort of the national strategy over the long term. So lots of lots of initiative, lots of lots of uh, discussion. I think we're still working through how do we, you know, move the really move the masses uh, in this direction. And there's still lots of barriers in that that we're trying to, to trying to address through the work of the circular economy leadership coalition and the solutions lab. But um, you know, all these points in time are helping, you know, with the World Circular Economy Forum, for example. Yeah. I mean, thank you for such an extensive overview. I think this really helps paint a picture of like what's happening. You touched on all sort of levels. Um, and I'm curious 
for for you, as you mentioned, as you know, you are the managing director of the Circular Economy Leadership Coalition. You've given a little bit of a hint of what you're going to be focusing on, you know, going forward. But in the next, you know, year, if I was to have you come back on the podcast a year later from now, what would you have hoped to have really uh, to achieved in in that time? Is there something that you're you're Obviously, the World Circular Economy Forum have, being a great success, you know, in uh, in in Canada. But uh, what else is on your your agenda? Yeah, I think you know, for me, the the role that the Leadership Coalition can play, and part of that is as our network expands and connects the dots with these other clusters and activities, is is really around driving the collaboration as a as a key opportunity in building partnerships um, and breaking down some of the maybe siloed or fragmented activities that are happening right now and looking for where those synergies exist between different work streams or different activities to avoid you know the duplication of efforts and to really you know, realize that that everybody's constrained for for time and resources. So how can we free up more time and resources if we work together and, and collaborate on some of these things? So, you know, some of the biggest barriers and gaps right now around awareness and access to information and engaging with the investment sector and, and making sure we have the right infrastructure in the right places to, to enable all of this. So what's the role that, that we can play to um, raise awareness first off and second, all sort of build partnerships and collaboration that help to address the, the key barriers or pain points to the circular economy transition. So through the work of the solutions series and the solutions lab and, um, you know, on the sidelines of the World Circular Economy Forum between now and September and beyond, um, we'll be hosting a whole range of workshops and, and curated matchmaking activities and doing research in between those activities to kind of go deeper on where the, where the issues are and try and come up with, you know, solutions and, and toolkits and, and resources for industry and, and, and communities. And one way that I have gotten excited about raising awareness and have found to be a good way to raise awareness is through uh, serious gaming. And I want to ask uh, you the question that all of the guests that come on the In The Loop, uh, the Getting In The Loop podcast uh, get asked, which is if you could create an event for uh, the in the loop board game, which is a, a game I created uh, about circular economy and rethinking how we use resources. Uh, so in the game, you're a product producing company and you have to collect materials to make your product. And there are different things that happen throughout the game that come in the form of events and they change the market conditions in the game. And they usually encourage people to try to rethink how they're using their materials and nudge them towards more circular strategies. So my question to you, Paul, is what would your event uh, be related to if you could create one for the In The Loop board game? You hinted that you might ask me this question. And so I, I did give it a bit of thought. It's, it's an interesting one because you know there's so much at play in terms of changing our current linear structure and our economics and and you know the barriers and, and the incentives required to actually move the dial here um i think what i would be really interested to build into your game is what if our economic system um abandon GDP as the primary measure of economic prosperity and really started to move towards broader measures of, of wealth and well-being. 
And that's theoretical in a sense, but if you take it down to the sort of the company level or the corporate level, you know, you know, our society obviously is historically defined um, to mostly, you know, and measure and include sort of produced output and, um, you know, prosperity has been defined around monetary income and wealth, but, you know, in the future, could we really look at an economy that goes beyond financial capital to integrate more inclusive measures of, of, uh, company and corporate and individual and societal wealth and income and well-being that that factors in natural capital and human capital and social capital, um, you know, going beyond beyond GDP and countries like Iceland and Scotland and and New Zealand have started to move in that in that direction already, um, but if companies had to start to think about, you know, the the wellness of their and thinking about it sort of from a traditional sustainability model and even the, the UN sustainable development goals, for example, um, you know, we need a social foundation. We need to make sure our employees and our communities are well looked after. We need the, the right social foundation in terms of access to health and food and clean water and, and energy and, and, you know, the social equity lens and gender equality. Some of those things that you'll find uh, in the model that, um, that, Kate Raworth has put together around donut economics, you know, a social foundation. And, and then on the upper end, you know, we have our ecological ceiling um, and there's, there's indicators around that in terms of land use and climate change and biodiversity and, and pollution, chemical pollution, et cetera. So we need to, we need to make sure that we're able to support our, um, you know, our employees, our communities, our people um, with their basic needs and and you know a little bit more than that without overshooting our sort of ecological ceiling and that's where circular economy can really come in because it provides many of the the business strategies and the tools to help us sort of stay inside that that donut to some degree so it gives you real practical examples of of uh, business model innovation and, and ways to use technology and other things to, to sort of keep it um, between that that kind of safe and and sort of safely uh, sort of regenerative and distributed economy in the middle there. So I would say, can we move away from GDP, think about broader measures of, of wealth and well-being and use circular economy to kind of keep us in that donut? Thanks for listening to today's episode. Let me know what you thought by leaving me a voice message and maybe you will appear on the next Getting in the Loop episode. Head over to the show notes to find out how to leave a message. You can also leave a message on the Getting in a Loop LinkedIn page. Just head over to LinkedIn and search for Getting in the Loop podcast.